All right. What would Jesus, what did Jesus do? Now, you know, we, let's stand together as we get into word. Some of you don't like standing all the time, but there's a reason for that. Sleepy people need to stand. Matthew 5, Matthew 5, and uh, let's read together uh, what the Lord has to say. Let's pray. Father, as we open your word, we recognize that to, to go into your word without praying for the Holy Spirit to give us understanding is irresponsible. So we first ask right now that you would get us, give us a spirit of an expectation and anticipation. We have not come for a service today. We've come for an encounter with God. And so I'm praying today that you would make yourself visible and present and speak. Speak today. In Jesus' name. Amen. The text is on the screen. Let's read together. Matthew 5. You need to read on the screen because I got a couple of texts here that we're going to go through. And I need your help. Let's go together. The Bible says, now when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on a what? Come on. And did what? And sat down. His disciples... Keep reading. Go ahead. I'm sorry. I needed to move my pulpit. Let's try that one more time. Now, when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on a what, everybody? And he did what? His disciples did what? They came to him and he began to do what? All right. Now, let's keep it rolling. Uh, Blessed. Now, he said what? Blessed are the what? Poor in spirit, for theirs is what? The kingdom of heaven. And then he said, blessed are those who do what? For they will be what? And, and today this is our focus. Blessed are the for they will inherit what? The earth. Now let's look at Numbers 12. This is going to be sort of our illustrative text today. The Bible says, Miriam and Aaron began to talk against Moses because of his black wife. Oh, that's what a Cushite is. All right. Now they were Semites, uh, which means they were Jews. Uh, by the way, last night, uh, just, uh, I'm sorry, I just had to tell you this. I'm sorry, I have to tell you now. Last night, one of my Jewish, Orthodox Jewish friends, uh, our neighbor next door, uh, knocked on the door about 1030 last night and uh, told us she needed my help. So I went, went outside and realized that um, her light in her car was on. And because it was Sabbath, she could not turn it off. So she asked me to come and to turn the light off in the car. Now, what I wanted to ask her was, I was like, doesn't the Bible say, nor any stranger within thy gates? <laughs> now, you guys are laughing. You're laughing, but y'all do the same stuff. You just don't do it that way. Now, now Moses' wife, that has nothing to do with the text, I just thought about it. Moses' wife was a Cushite. She was an African woman. And so he married a Gentile. For he had married a Cushite. Now, now, now verse 2 says, has the Lord spoken only through Moses, they asked? I mean, uh, you know, you're the only one that hears from God? Pastor, they asked. Yeah, hasn't he also spoken through who, everybody? Through us? And the Lord heard this. Uh, now, I like that. No, say that again. Say, the Lord heard this. That's why you don't have to learn. That's why you don't have to fight your battles. Because the Lord hears. He sees and hears what's going on. Hallelujah. Now, Moses. Now, now, now watch this. Now, Moses was a very humble man. The Bible in other versions, most versions say that he was a meek man. And then it says he was more humble or meek than anyone else on the face of the earth. Other than Jesus Christ, there was nobody more humble or meek than Moses. Than Moses. Are you still with me? Now, let's go to Isaiah 53. Just setting up the text. Look at Jesus now. The Bible says, read with me, he was despised and rejected by mankind. A man of what? And familiar with what? Like one from whom people hide their faces. He was despised and we held him in low esteem. Talking about God now. Surely he took away our pain and bore our suffering. Yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted. But he was what everybody pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him and by his wounds. We are what everybody 
Now, we all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way. And the Lord, watch this, has laid on him the iniquity of who? Of who? Of who, everybody? Not just Carl, but my sins. All of our sins were laid on him. But watch this. He was oppressed and afflicted, yet, yet he did not open his mouth. Talking about meekness today. Now, I'm telling you, this one's going to hurt. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter as a sheep before its shearers is silent, and he did not open his mouth. Let's go. Tame, title of the sermon today is Taming the Beast. You may be seated. Taming the Beast. Now, I want to tell you, I've had a hard time thus far, and I'm going to get a little closer to you, trying to deal with this. Matter of fact, be honest, as I was preparing my message, Richard, I was like, ooh, this is going to fit somebody in the church. Oh, the Lord, Lord, Lord can deal with this person on this issue. But then I had to read my own stuff. You cannot receive this message if while listening you are applying it. Come on, somebody. To anyone but yourself. This is about who? And what up? Nobody else. And I want you right now, just before we get into the word, say, speak to me, Lord. Say, speak to me. Speak to me. Nobody else. Speak to me. Let's review very quickly the breakdown. As you know, the Beatitudes are a description of what a Christian should look like. So we first started with being poor in spirit. Somebody say poor in spirit. Poor in spirit means to be aware of my condition. Say to be aware of my condition. And then we looked at blessed are they that mourn, which means to repent of your sins and your condition. Somebody say, I need to repent. And we learned that repentance is not something you do once, but it's something you do all the time. I want you to hear me today. Well, you'll get get here eventually. Uh, And today we'll look at this, uh, the word meek. uh, Basically, we're talking about surrendering control. Somebody say, I need to surrender control. And this deals with our relationship with God. Then then the the beatitude after this, if I can't wait to deal with next Sabbath, is hungering and thirsting for righteousness. And, And the next step is, after we get to a place of surrendering control, God wants us then to be addicted to him. Addicted to him. Um, then to be merciful uh, reveals the character of God, and that's to be to loving towards others. Say, my fellow man, repeat after me, my fellow man uh, deserves better treatment than I'm giving them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then pure in heart talks about your motivation. God does not just look at what you do. God looks at your motives. Ooh, ooh. Yeah, pray. Uh, blessed are the peacemakers. Can't wait to get to this one. A lot of confusion on this text. And we talk more about God calling us to be agents. Somebody say, I'm an agent of love. I'm an agent of love. And this is our response to our fellow man. And then the main thing of the Beatitudes is to get us to a place where we know how to suffer appropriately. Most of us have skipped the various steps in the Beatitudes. So when we suffer, we either complain, we bring reproach upon God, or we buckle. That's why you got to start off in God's order. The destination for the Christian is to learn how to suffer appropriately. Let me just throw it out here. You can tell where you are spiritually based on how you act when you suffer. You can tell where your walk is with God based on how you deal with conflict. Amen? And today we're going to get into that, talking about uh, meekness. Now, throughout the Beatitudes, read this with me. Throughout the Beatitudes, there is an advancing line of what? So, in other words... When you start with poor in spirit, that's the first step in entrance to the kingdom. You cannot go into the kingdom proud. And I told you, remember that sermon? I told you, you got to crawl in. You have to get low. And so these Beatitudes, and I know you're studying them, Matthew chapter 5, you'll understand that each one of the Beatitudes builds upon the other. So before we can talk about meekness, we first have to be poor in spirit. We have to see ourselves as the worst sinner. And then when we come to the conclusion that we are the worst sinner and nobody else, then we mourn or we are repentful of our condition. In other words, we don't brag anymore about our sins, but we humble ourselves before God. Now, today, meekness deals with our attitude, not towards so much other people, but our attitude to what God has done for us in light of how messed up we are. If you're honest enough to admit today that you're messed up, raise your hand. If you admit that today, you are messed up. You got issues. Nobody else is the problem. I've got the problem. So those who have felt their need of Christ, those who have mourned because of their sin, have sat with Christ in the school of what? How many of you have been through something? 
Now, if you've been through something, that means that you are prepared to walk into meekness. If you've never suffered, then you are not prepared to be meek. The reason why is our characters and our pride, our ego, some, uh, some of us feel like we have no issues with pride. You, you're crazy. It's impossible to be a sinner and not have issues with pride. pride. Sin is pride. Every time you sin, you're saying to yourself, I know better than God, and I don't know about you, that sounds like the highest form of pride that there can be. Every time we sin, we have to distrust God. And the Bible says if it is not of faith, it is of sin. And if it is of sin, then it is of pride. It is of what, everybody? It is of pride. So we need to understand carefully now that as we advance, somebody say advance. Somebody say this is sequential. Say sequential. Every step that I take, and I want to tell you today, I'm not, I'm not worried about whether you're going to get it. Either you get it or you're going to get it. You have got to get to a place where you are so hungry to do the will of God that you are meticulous about studying his word and knowing what God requires of you. If you only depend on what the preacher says out of his mouth to get an understanding of what truth is, you will go to hell. All I'm supposed to do is motivate you to go back here. All I'm supposed to do is to equip you to get in here. And so when I'm talking about being poor in spirit, talking about mourning over your condition, I'm not talking over your head because you you understand what I'm saying, because you've got into the word yourself. Because you're desperate to be like Christ. Adventists will not be saved. Baptists will not be saved. Pentecostals will not be saved. Christians will be saved. Denomination does not save you. Belief system is not enough. You've got to be like Christ. And and I was telling Carl, man, I'm telling y'all, what I'm about to share with you today, it's going to be some grunts. The standard for being a Christian is mind-blowing. It's impossible. It is impossible to be like Jesus on your own. And that's why God, God must think we're funny sometimes. They actually think that just by coming to church that they're okay. Lord help them. They actually think because they serve in a position of ministry that that's good enough. Oh, help them, Father. They actually think because they eat a certain way or because they don't do what other people do that that is enough. Brothers and sisters, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, let's get something clear today. The standard for Glenville, the standard for China, the standard for Africa, the standard for Russia, the standard for the United States, the standard for Barack Obama, the standard for Ellen White, the standard for Myron Edmonds, the standard for anybody in this church is Christ. Christ. Now, let me tell you something. You can't be like him without him. Can I get a witness in here? And I'm going to show you by this principle this characteristic today being meek is not something that you comes natural with your dna let's look at some texts of scripture first let's look at some texts uh first peter 2 the bible says to you to this you were called you were what everybody uh, what were we called to peter he says because christ did what suffered for you leaving you an example oh, oh, oh stay here leaving you an egg Example that you should follow in whose steps? So who's the example? Not your mother. Young people, young people, hear me. Yo, I, I, listen, watch your parents. You should, but let me tell you this right now. Your parents are not your example. The pastor is not your example. The elders are not our example. Let's stop putting people on this exalted pedestal. Who is the example, everybody? Christ is the example, and we should follow in his steps. Now, 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 watch this. Now, now, it's telling, okay, so what is his example? He committed no sin. And no deceit was found in his. There was a direct connection between our sinfulness and our mouths. Look at your neighbor and say, you got a problem with your mouth. Yeah. I'm going to talk about that today. I'm going to talk. Woo! The problem with so many of us, the Bible says, out of the abundance of the heart, 
the mouth, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. I, look, I, one of the things I found out about anybody, I don't care how holy they think they are, your mouth will tell on you eventually. Ah, <laughs> oh, you, know, you know, people with the most lofty vernacular. Oh, the Lord is good. Praise his name. God is good all the time. All the time. God, that, that person will cut somebody out. Yes, they will. Or they will be rude. They will slight somebody. They will be sarcastic. Your mouth, Lord Jesus. Somebody just, uh, just raise your hand today if you know you got a mouth problem. I, I got my eye. Help me with my mouth. Now, 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 the Bible says that Jesus, our example, the word of God says, oh, you know, I wish we could take back words. Now, it says there was no deceit found in his mouth when they hurled their insults. I got to move, y'all. When they hurled his insults at him, he did not retaliate. Now, here's the question that I want to pose to you today. And I'm going to suggest to you that this message may, may present more questions than answers. You may leave here today with more questions than answers. I'm still wrestling with this text. As I begin to, to, to study the scriptures, when I study the life of Christ, one of the things I notice about him is he never defended himself. You saw the text we just read. The Bible says they, uh, you know, he, he was afflicted. And, and we're not talking about somebody who's bad, who's done anything wrong. If there's anybody who should have defended himself, it should have been Jesus. But I, I, I'll explain in a minute because I said, whoa, 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 whoa. He, he, the Bible says he did not open his mouth. And there's a reason for that. If he would have opened his mouth, how did he create the world? With his mouth. If he would have opened his mouth, he would have uncreated the world. <laughs> He did not retaliate. Somebody say he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to him who does what, everybody? Now, that's the difference. God, help me to get there. How many know you need to get there? Where we get to a place where we begin to trust God, even in new areas. What's the new area, Pastor? In the area of feeling we have to defend our rights. Let me, let me explain this carefully. Now, y'all know that we follow in a sequence. Come on, say amen. Amen. <laughs> All right. All right. So it goes on to say, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to him who does, who does what, everybody? How, how does God handle stuff? How does God handle stuff? Justly. Proverbs 25, verse 28. Talking of meekness. Whoever has no rule over his own spirit is like a city broken down without walls. A city that's broken down without walls means that, means that it's what, everybody? It's, it's open. It's vulnerable to attack. And a person who cannot rule his spirit, his control himself, herself, are vulnerable. Help me, Jesus. <laughs> See, that's why, listen, man, y'all, I hate preaching this stuff because I got to live it. <laughs> Proverbs 16, verse 32. And we all in this together. Come on, say amen. He who is slow to anger is better than the mighty. And he who rules his spirit than he who takes a city. And see, we've been told our lives that meekness is weakness. Well, that's based on what your understanding of meekness is. So Psalm 25, 9 says, concerning the meek, just trying to set up the platform. The, what everybody? The meek, will he what? Ah, the meek, he will guide in what? And judgment means he will help us to make right decisions. Especially when we're under pressure. And especially when we're under threat. And especially when we're under insult. Especially when they lie on us. Especially when they mistreat us. Especially when it's a family member. Especially when it's a church member. Especially when it's our spouse. Especially when it's our children. He says, I will guide them in judgment. And the meek, will he do what, everybody? If we are not meek, he will not teach us his way. 
Ephesians 4. I therefore, the prisoner, Paul says, of the Lord, beseech you that ye walk worthy of the what, everybody? Vocation wherewith ye were called, this is the King James, with all what? Lowliness and meekness, with long suffering. So we know so far that meekness is connected with salvation, righteousness, and God leading us. Now we're seeing that meekness is also connected with God, with long suffering and forbearing one another in what? What does the scripture say? In love. Repeat after me. Say, I cannot be meek if I don't have love. Philippians 2. Oh, let me go this way. Oh, yes. Did I skip it? Philippians 2. Go go in your Bibles because I I messed it up here. Go in your Bibles. Philippians 2. Now, this is the one right here that blows my mind. Philippians 2. And some of y'all should already know where I'm going. Verses 5. Well, no, let's start... Let's start at verse number two. If you're there, would you say amen? amen. Now the Bible says, then make my joy complete, being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and purpose. Verse three, this is NIV. Do nothing, Lord have mercy. Do nothing, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. But in humility, somebody say humility. Consider, Lord, I gotta, I'm not here. Consider others better than yourselves. Each of you should look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of what, everybody? Of others. Uh, verse 5, the Bible says, your attitude, somebody say my attitude, should be the same as that of Christ Jesus. What was it? Who being in the very nature, God, Lord. Now, uh, this is heavy, heavy stuff here, y'all. Woo. Let's just pause. If you were God. Well, it was that movie that Jim Carrey was in where he, uh, Bruce Almighty. And homeboy was, was supposed to have gotten God powers and just misused and abused them. God, I'm, he's God. But he humbles himself. And the Bible says, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing. Taking the very nature of a servant. God did that. Being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself. God did that. And became obedient to death. Even death on the cross. And this is what happens when somebody gets the spirit of meekness in their lives. The Bible says, therefore, God exalted him in the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess That Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God. So Jesus is teaching us here. The way up is down. Well. I'm not Jesus. Y'all know we say that stuff. Well you don't know what they did to me. I've said that. I just can't sit back and do nothing when they lie on me and malign my name. Amen. But, but the text says your attitude <laughs> should be like, or King James says, let this mind be in you. Meek, what is the word? Now, the word meek is not, for those of you who don't understand this, and some of, we mess up this sometimes. You cannot take Greek words and try to explain them in human vernacular. Most of the time, one Greek word could take four or five English words to explain. Now, I have to explain this technicality to you right now. One of the reasons for that is the word meek, that's an English word. The word meek, somebody say meek. Meek does not adequately express or define 
what the actual Greek word is for meekness. Now, just to give you a little lesson in, 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 uh, in linguistics or language. The Bible is written, Old Testament is written in Hebrew or Aramaic, and the New Testament is written in Greek. And what I'm saying to you is, is you cannot understand what meekness is simply by looking at the English word meek. Most of us have an idea in our mind what we think meekness is. Passive aggressive. A meek person is, is a weak person. A meek person is a, a submissive person. A meek person lets people run all over them. A meek person, like one writer said, is a doormat. A meek person is an African-American in the civil rights struggle who sees all his rights being taken away from him and they just sit back and pray. That's not meekness. Let's help. Let me help you out. The Greek word for meekness is the word prayos. Somebody say prayos. Now, it is simply defined as gentle. As gentle. But there are at least four definitions for this word and we're going to have fun with this today. The usage of prayers. Now, this is how they use it. The best way to define a word is to figure out how it's used. All right? You guys ready? All right, number one. It's used as a soothing medicine to reduce a fever. We're talking about meekness now. So meekness is like a soothing medicine to reduce a powerful fever. In other words, it holds the fever in check even though the fever is rising up to take over. Uh, the word prayus, or we call it meekness, also is used, uh, Xerxes used this term uh, for his troops getting calm in battle. So although they are being attacked on every hand, they remain calm, even though uh, death is all around them. So they are not powerless, they are just suppressing power in light of the circumstance. Uh, number three. And then it just flat out is a, a prayers person or a meek person is not easily offended. Man, now, now ain't nobody in here meek then. <laughs> nobody in here is meek. <laughs> not, not under this, uh, not a definition. And most of us, we're working towards it. Hallelujah. Come on, say amen. I mean, some of us are farther along than we used to be. But there are some of us that are real sensitive. As my mama would say, we got thin skin and we take everything personal. So uh, this is what, what, what it is not. Uh, now, Aristotle, now I'm not trying to be deep today. I'm just telling you what the word means. Define it. For those who don't know, Aristotle is a Greek philosopher. Now, why are we talking about Greek philosophy in the Seventh-day Adventist Church? Because Aristotle, if you want to know what a Greek word means, ask a Greek person. Okay. Aristotle defined the word prayos, now watch this now, as the balance between excessive anger, one extreme, and excessive angerlessness. So a person that is weak, is, is, uh, that is meek rather, is not angerless, it's not that they don't get angry, and, and they're not on the other extreme where they just blow their top. They're right in the middle. They're balanced. Somebody say balanced. They are balanced. Now, 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 watch this. Now, here, here is the main usage of the word. And this is where we're going to have fun. Oh, man. When I saw this, I said, whoa! Now, the title of the message today is Taming the Beast Within Us. The main usage for the word prayus is for a wild animal which has been tamed. A meek person is like a wild animal. That has been tamed. Oh, y'all. Got a beast in you. And depending on the circumstances and the situation and the stimulus, that beast is fighting to get out. Don't sit up here and look holy. Tell the truth. All of us have that one thing that crawls up under our skin, that one thing that, that's like nails on a chalkboard, that one thing that drives us insane, that one thing where we lose our cool, that one thing where we bubble over. And the Bible says that the meek person is an individual. Some, for some of us, it's fornication. I, you know, you, certain brothers can't help themselves. If a fine sister walks by, they just, you see it, they, 
Some sisters can't help themselves. Come on, say amen. Can't help but look. Some of us, some of us, some of us, we, we cannot tame our anger. We cannot tame it when certain situations happen, when, when certain things happen, and it rises up within us. And you say, man, I'm supposed to be a Christian. I'm supposed to be holy. And you can't figure out why. I want to tell you right now, just getting angry is not a sin. Having a temper is not a sin. Hey, having a temper is sinful, but it is not a sin. Struggling with lust is not the issue. See, no, 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 now. The Bible is calling us to knock the beast down, to fight the beast down. The beast is there. Paul says, he says, I have a thorn in my flesh. He said, I'm going to have it for the rest of my life. He said, but I beat my body into subjection. I fight. I war. I determine. That's why the Bible says the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. See, the problem with us is we're trying to fight spiritual stuff with physical stuff. And that's why last week I told y'all, don't sit up running around here talking about, oh, we got financial problems. We don't have no financial problems. We've got a spiritual problem. And many of us have the beast of worry and anxiety in us. And as soon as we see a bill or as soon as we get a report or as soon as we get our check, we get anxiety, we get anxious and we get fearful. And that beast is rising up within us to take over our minds. But a meek person is somebody that knows and has learned of Christ how to knock that beast down. As a matter of fact, Paul says you're going to die daily. So you are a serial killer. How many know you can kill him one day and then he's back the next day? You kill him on Tuesday and then he shows up on Wednesday. It doesn't mean there's anything wrong with you. It just reveals that you're in a fight. Watch this now. The main usage is for a wild animal that has been tamed or domesticated. A domesticated animal is an animal that, that, can, be, that, that can be useful. Which has been trained. Watch this now. Meekness is an animal, wild animal, that's been tamed, domesticated, uh, which, and now it is trained to do what, everybody? To obey the word of command. Which has learned to respond to the what? Now, uh, for example, like a horse uh, or, or a wild colt or mustang. Uh, uh, they, they say that these, these, these beasts... Are almost, I mean, they are, they are the most difficult to tame because their instincts are so savage. Have you ever seen anybody get on one of those mustangs, like Ocho Cinco? He got on, what is it? He got on one of them bulls the other day. Now, they're not totally tame. They're used for sport. Homeboy was on there for 1.5 seconds. But, 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 but you, sometimes you, you'll see how these horses are in equestrian and they're marching with perfect form and they're marching with, with perfect sequence. They've been tamed. Or just a horse that anybody rides. I've got preacher friends of mine who have horses. And I said to them, I said, how do you tame a horse? He says, the way that you tame a horse is through the reins. And the reins are those, those, those leather or nylon ropes that extend from their head. But the reins are attached, attached to a bridle. And the bridle is attached to the mouth. The way you tame an animal is through its head, but more specifically, you got to get tamed in your mouth. <laughs> Let's be honest in here. If, there, if, if we got any beastly instincts, our beastly instincts come out of our mouths. Imagine if God were to say shut up to us audibly every time we said something stupid. We go deaf because his voice so thunderous and he had to say it so much. Shut up, boy. Shut up. I, and I'll be honest. The Holy Spirit tells me to shut up. I don't know about y'all. The Holy Spirit speaks to me in my own vernacular. And sometimes I get to talking and say, shut up. Colt. Some, some of you husbands have gotten in trouble. The beast has come out. Your wife says, do you think I'm losing weight? And then you mess around and say, ah, uh, I don't think so, baby. Oh, the Holy Ghost told you to shut up. The reins, the taming process is a taming. See, God is able to get control over us when we learn how to control our mouths. 
You'll study the spirit of prophecy and come to find out that the more we speak faith, the more faith we shall have. And that we should never give a place to, this, to doubt or discouragement with our mouths. Because the Bible says, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. And that life and death is in the power of the tongue. And every time you speak something, you solidify it in your mind. Continue talking about this word. Prayus is a word used for a wild animal which has learned to accept. Somebody say accept. Say, Lord, help me to accept. To accept control by being broken. So, so when you see these horses, you know, the equestrian, and they're just marching in perfect order, or just a regular horse, a racehorse, you know what's happened to them? You know why they are now meek or prayers? Because they've been broken. And people who are not meek are people who have not allowed God to break them. You cannot get to the kingdom of God unless you've been broken. Meekness, read this everybody. Meekness is power under control. So you're not weak if you're meek. You just have learned how to control yourself. It is a byproduct of what? Self-emptying or self-humiliation. Of brokenness before God. See, a meek person recognizes that they don't just stand among men, but they stand every day in the presence of God. And this is one of the reasons why your pastor, and I know some of y'all don't like it, but that's all right, I got to preach the truth anyhow, why I disregard the idea that this building is the, is the, is the, is the, is the house of the Lord. See, when you teach people that, that means come in this building and be spiritual. But when you leave here, you're at liberty to, you know, that's why folks say stuff. You're going to say that in the sanctuary? We got to reference the sanctuary. If you teach people that, this is what it will do. It will get people to be fearful and to regard a building. But when they leave there, they'll take off the shackles and they'll just feel it's appropriate to do it wherever I am. But see, God's standard is higher. He don't want you just uh, referencing the sanctuary. He wants you to reference the sanctuary. For the Bible says that you are the temple of the Holy Spirit and the and in which God dwells in you. See, I'm meek not because I'm going to church. I'm meek not because it's the Sabbath. I'm meek because I stand in the presence of God. And I can't be proud and uplifted when I'm in his presence. And his presence is with me wherever I go. For the Bible says, Lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. I recognize, like Joseph, that I stand in the presence of heaven, not just here, but wherever I am. Let's be real. When you look down on somebody, when you're hard on somebody, you have to detach yourself that God is standing there right now. Well, I ain't going to tell her off in the church. I'm going to wait till I leave. Really? Let me just go here. Look, not chewing gum in church, I understand why. Y'all chew it anyway. That's not because God is offended by you chewing gum in his presence. It's because we don't want gum stains all over the sanctuary. We don't want to put our hand under the pew and we pull our hand out and we got a piece of gum on it. You see how we've taught this foolishness to folk? Listen here, brothers and sisters, God is not honored by, oh Lord have mercy, by those little insignificant things that we think are a disrespect or respect to his presence because we're in a certain location. God is honored when we learn how to respect his presence wherever we are. And this is a sign that we are not meek because we use locations and edifices and institutions and buildings when we decide we're going to be spiritual. But God says, I want you to be spiritual when you're in the car. I want you to be spiritual at the train station. I want you to be spiritual in your job. I want you to be spiritual in your home. I want you to be spiritual in your home. I want you to be spiritual in your home. I want you to be loving in your home. Why does that bother us to hear that? Do you think that God holds you to a higher standard in here than he does out there? Why does that bother you? Because it calls us to a higher level. 
And meekness, hear me now, why am I saying this? Because, if, because you cannot be meek if you only see the presence of God as being relegated to one place. That's why most of us don't know how to have poor family lives. Because we're devils at home, but we're saints at church. You're always right. Your opinion always sticks. Everything you do is right. And folk have gotten to a place where you, you're unteachable. They don't want to hear you no more because you don't listen. You got to be broken. Somebody say, I got to be broken. You got to be broken. And you're broken in his presence. And you recognize that he's everywhere. Thank you, Jesus. He's everywhere. And you worship him, not just here, but you worship him there. You worship him every time you get a chance because you know you stand in the presence of the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. You have come to a place where you recognize that your God cannot be confined, but his presence is everywhere. He's always going where he's coming from to get to where he is, to find out he's always there. Got to tame that lion. Got to tame that beast. Now, Greek view is, an unbroken colt, and this is why a colt needs to be tamed, because an unbroken colt will kill somebody, won't it? Maybe we should go horseback riding to make this message plain. <laughs> but a broken colt is useful. When you're not broken, you're not useful. A gentle breeze cools and soothes. But a hurricane does what? It's got to be tamed. Meekness is the opposite of violence and vengeance. The meek person has died to what, everybody? He never worries about his own injuries. Here's where it's going to get deep, y'all. He bears no grudges. John Bunyan said it this way. He says, he who is down fears no fall. You missed that. When you recognize that you're broken and that you ain't all that and you're meek in spirit, can't nobody knock you down any further than you already are. No insult bothers you now, David. Look, no, I mean, what they say about you, Violet, does, I mean, what, I mean, hey, I'm down here. I know I'm down here. So what you could be saying might be true, but guess what? He loves me. Guess what? I'm his son. Come on, guess what? I'm his child. So I'm not taking it personal. A meek person never defends himself because he knows he doesn't deserve anything. He never gets angry about what's done to him. He's not running around trying to get his or her due. He's already broken in spirit over his sin and he's already mourning and weeping over the consequence of it. In humility, he stands before a what everybody? A holy God and he has nothing to commend himself. So now I got to clarify. So are you saying, Pastor, that a Christian should never defend himself? Well, we got to define defend. What the Bible means by defend is not to establish truth. For example, if somebody uh, goes and tells your wife, uh, I'm sleeping with your husband. Is the Bible saying, just let God handle it. Pray about it. Just go get in the bed with your wife and tell her it's going to be all right. <laughs> there are two ways you can defend yourself there. One, you can go to the, find that person and say, come on, come, come on outside with me. Come on outside the sanctuary. <laughs> now, now, you're still on the premises, but at least you're outside. You know, God ain't going to really judge you because you're not inside. Then you go beat the mess out of them. Come on in here, somebody. Or you can, you can seek through biblical process to establish truth. Nothing wrong with defending truth and the honor of his name. But when it becomes about you. Are y'all with me so far? I couldn't understand that thing because I'm looking at the life of Christ and I'm saying, man, man, who then can be saved? I mean, they dogged him from day one. But you know when he got mad? Remember when he went in the temple, man, and cleaned house? I said, huh, well, he did get angry sometimes. You know why? Because his anger was not about him defending himself. His anger was about defending his father. 
And you know, I've come to find out that we get angry about the wrong stuff. You know, we should be angry about right now that there are millions of people in Cleveland right now dying without knowing this truth. That should bother us. What we should be angry about right now is that there are prostitutes in this city who are 10 years old, 16 years old, their bodies are being sold, and their parents don't know where they are, they're sex slaves, and they're in Cleveland. We should be angry about that. We should be outraged about that. We should be angry about the fact that there's legislation going on right now in the state of Ohio to make uh, certain folks not be able to vote. We should get angry about stuff that angers God. Oh, come on, Adventist folk. Where y'all at in here? We ought to be out there standing up for real justice. We're so busy in here standing up for our rights. Lord, help me now. I'm so busy here worried about how y'all think about me. God said, I got kids out there. I've got fathers out there. Strung out on crack. Strung out on drugs. Get mad about that. Let me, let me, let me move. Prayers or hallelujah. Prayers or meekness is not what everybody, it's not what? It's not weakness. It's power under control. Man, if somebody's treating you wrong, you know the best way to deal with them? I'll show you in a second. It's in the word. It's in the word. Somebody really getting on your nerves, I mean, they getting to you. You know, one thing I tell my children is, look, if somebody... It says, you know, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. That's not true. I said, but the minute you react, they have already gotten control. You surrendered your control. Amen, somebody. How many know you need that right now? Oh, God, help me, 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 help me. Wild animals, then, are driven by instinct. Now, we had a dog named Mo. I'm going to tell you about Moses, and I'm done. We had a dog named Mo. Talking about being tamed, controlling. A meek person knows how to control themselves by the power of the Holy Spirit because you can't control yourself. So we got this dog, Mo. Mo was a cocker spaniel. Beautiful dog. Beautiful. Uh, we we end up giving the dog to, uh, uh, to, uh, to Ray Poole and Annette. <laughs> I'm laughing. I'll, I'll, I'll tell you why I'm laughing. I'm getting ahead of myself. We gave it away. Beautiful dog. We gave it away. Beautiful dog. We gave it away. Willingly. Beautiful dog. Black, black cocker spaniel. My father-in-law found the dog in somebody's basement. And according, when he found the dog, the dog had just been abandoned, left downstairs. It had, it had used, it had, it had, you know, done everything it needed to do. There was no breaking. There was no obedience school. It was taught nothing. Even though it was a beautiful, expensive cocker spaniel, it was not broken. But the dog was so beautiful. It looked so good. Its, its hair was so beautiful. I mean, it, I mean, I'm saying we got to breed this cocker spaniel with this shih tzu and get us some cockazoos. And we're going to sell them. <laughs> Look, and we did. I'm telling you, look, and we gave all them, all them away too. You know, but look, look, watch, look at my point now. It was, even though it looked good, it was not broken. Look, and, every, and look, everywhere that dog was, man, we got rid of that dog so fast. No regard. I mean, everywhere using the bathroom. Everywhere, just all over the place, climbing on tables and stuff. And I'm saying, this dog looks too good to act like this. But being tamed is not about how you look. Being tamed is not about how you carry your Bible. Being tamed is not what, how many, how, what your W-2 form looks like or how many zeros you have at the end of your check. Being tamed is about what God has done in you. That dog was wild. And that's why we gave it to Annette. And watch this now. And Annette and them, I mean, the dog is so beautiful. I mean, we told them. We told, did we not tell them? We didn't. Come on, I'll be out. Listen, we told them. I mean, <laughs> look, now, I was tempted because I wanted, I, I wanted somebody to take the dog. I was like, man, we don't need to tell them everything. But we told them that our friends, we were honest. Yo, man, the dog has all kind of problems. And I don't even know if the dog can be broken. Now, you know, sometimes dogs or any animal that has gone so long without being broken is very, I'm not going to say it's impossible, but it's sometimes it gets to a place where it's almost, anybody know what I'm talking about? It almost gets to a place where it's almost impossible to break them. 
Oh, some of y'all missed that. Some of you missed that. Some of y'all been in the church so long. You've been in the way so long. It's going to take God a whole lot of work to break you now. Because you think you know it all. So we told her that. We told him she can't say we didn't. I can't look at her in the eye right now. We, can't, we told her, we, hey, look, listen, they, do y'all still have that dog in there? They got rid of that dog. <laughs> now I understand now Mo's doing all right. I understand that he went to obedience school, but notice now, you got to go to school. Oh, y'all, y'all not hearing this thing. Y'all not hearing this thing. Let me, skip, let me skip through this. You have got to go to school. That's why the Bible says, come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden. You're going through it. You're getting picked on. You're getting abused. You're getting misused. He says, he says and learn. You got to go to school and learn of who? And learn of him. He says, because I am what? I'm meek. And lowly of heart, and you shall find rest for your souls. I have one, one person would email me, and at the end of their email, it said, Peace is not the absence of problems, but peace is the presence of God. Yeah. Let me read this statement. It is the love of self that destroys our peace. Hmm, hmm, hmm. While self is all alive, we stand ready continually to guard it from mortification and insult. The point is, you know that self is still running your life when every time you are mortified or insulted, disrespected or insulted, you try to defend. Now, let me just say it like this. Choose your battles. Can I help you choose your battles? Fight the battles that will bring him glory. I, listen, I got to the place, man, where there's some stuff I just can't fight you on. If that's the way you feel, oh well. I ain't going to try to change your mind. Now, have you done that before? You just work with some folk, you just, man, well, if, I, if you want to make me the devil, then fine. I'm trying. Come on in here, somebody. But you can't spend your life, Roscoe Fowler, trying to get people to see you a certain way. You just have to get to a place where you let God handle it. You feel me? You got, I mean, uh, for, for the folk out there that are tired of fighting this fight, let me just, just talk back to me right now. I mean, this, I mean, this thing, especially when you struggle with approval addiction and you want people to view you a certain way and, and you want, I mean, you, I mean, that thing gets on your nerves and you're always trying to present yourself and fix this and fix that. God eventually says, he says, take my yoke. <laughs> Learn of me. In other words, move out of the way. <laughs> Get under what I'm carrying because if I carry it, then you won't have to carry it. If I fight it, then you won't have to fight it. For vengeance is mine, says the Lord. While self is all alive, we stand ready continually to guard our reputation. That's why I told you, don't be careful. Your reputation, what? God doesn't want you concerned about your reputation. He wants you to be concerned about character. And you can't fix character with people. You can only fix character with God. But when we are dead and our life is hit with Christ and God, we shall not take neglects or slights to heart. Woo! Y'all missed that. When we are dead, somebody say dead. Galatians 2.20. That's a text you ought to write down. I am crucified with Christ. <laughs> Nevertheless, not I, but Christ lives in me. And you got to do that every day. You got to die daily. When we are dead, our life is hit with Christ and God, and we shall not take neglects or slights to heart. Your mama. All right. You ugly. Okay. You ain't, you ain't, you ain't everything they think you are. That's your opinion. You know, it can get deeper, too. But look, that's a road you don't want to go down. Just leave it alone. Uh, one of the things I've come to find is we wrestle not against flesh and blood. I don't know where I found that. But against principalities and powers. Let me say that again. We wrestle not against flesh and blood. When people insult you, it's not them. I'm getting to a place now where you can't take nothing personal from people anymore. You know why? Anytime somebody insults you, they're requesting of you to come down to their level. And when you go down, you know what you have done? You have accepted their request. 
and you've made an RSVP, and you've given your RSVP to sit at the front, the head of the table with them. But Ellen says, Ellen says, we shall not take neglects or slice the heart. We shall be deaf. I like that. We shall be deaf to reproach. So when people are talking to us, I remember like Charlie Brown, and he'd be on the phone, and you, his mom, and she'd be like, you're going to ask the Holy Ghost to give you deafness to reproach. You're going to ask the Holy Ghost to, where you can hear, oh, 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 okay, I hear you now. Now you're encouraging me. You're criticizing me, but it's constructive. I believe that you love me. But folks that's just trying to tear you down, folks that's just trying to make you low, folks that's just trying to roll all over you, listen, don't try to fight that stuff. Just be deaf to it. Let me go here. Uh, listen, these, these, I'll give this to you in the handout, and it's ready. Let's go to Numbers 12, because I don't have time to do this. Numbers 12. There's some stuff on defending ourselves. I just, I don't have time for it. Uh, Numbers 12, I'll go there. Numbers chapter 12, let's end on that. Or with Moses. Ooh, 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 ooh. Oh, let me read this one. Romans 12. Bless those who persecute you. <laughs> uh, bless and do not curse. Amen. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Amen. Mourn with those who mourn. I can do that. Live in harmony with one another. I can do that. Do not be proud. But be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. Okay. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. And if possible, as far as it depends on you, not them, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge. Why, Lord, my dear friends? But leave room for God's what? See, when you take revenge, you know what you do? You're, when you take revenge, God says, oh, you did it? So I won't, I won't do it. Oh, this is your way of responding? So you handle it. And how many know we messed stuff up? All right, so here's the thing with Moses. No, I'm done because you don't want to hear any more of that. And, and Numbers 12. <laughs> Your boy Moses gives us a good example of what it means to be meek. Uh, here it is. Miriam and Aaron, his brother and sister. How many know that the hardest people to ignore and be deaf to are the people that's closest to you? Miriam and Aaron began to talk against Moses because of his wife. Now, brothers and sisters, they're talking about his wife. <laughs> now, I told y'all my second Sabbath here. At first, I gave full warning on those that bother my family. <laughs> Help me, Lord. Amen. Moses, now, you talk about a dude that was the premier of Egypt. His first 40 years, he was running Egypt. Then 40 years after that, God threw him in the wilderness. He needed to be broken, tamed. So now that he's come out, this is like some of y'all, when you came in the church, you mean, I left that behind me, man. And people just drawing you in. He's talking about his wife. And they say, has the Lord spoken only through you? Hasn't he also spoken through us? And the Lord heard, and the Lord, and the Lord, and the Lord heard this. Hallelujah. See, while you're deaf to it, God hears it. And God says, I'll take care of it. Now, Moses was a very humble man, more humble than anyone else on the face of the earth. You know why the Bible put it right there? Because after they dogged his wife, it, remember, we talk about Moses that killed an Egyptian. This is the same dude that God would not let go of in the promised land because he showed one out of 40 years with folk that got on his nerves every day. Every, it just sounds better. Every day. They were driving him crazy. And only one time did he get angry and God wouldn't let him go in. 
He said, man, you've been walking a good road of meekness all this time. I cannot let people think that that's okay. At once, the Lord said to Moses and Miriam, watch this. Now, notice, one of the things you'll notice, when, when Moses speaks, I want you to notice what he does. But at this point, Moses has not spoken yet. At once, the Lord said to Moses and Aaron and Miriam, come out to the tent of meeting, all three of you. <laughs> Are you bothering my man? You bothering his wife? Now, we ain't talking about one of the Lord's prophets. The Lord said, hey, he spoke from heaven, said, y'all meet me in the tent of meeting. <laughs> hey, can you imagine how Moses, uh, Aaron, and Miriam were? <laughs> I mean, they had to be nervous. <laughs> then the Lord came down. <laughs> in a pillar of a cloud. Now, at this point, Mir- Miriam and Aaron were like, And the Bible says he stood. Now, Mo, listen, let me just pause in a moment. I know, listen, Moses is a bad boy, y'all. This dude is so tight that when people bother him, God himself shows up. No, no, no. He doesn't like, he did not the, um, not, not the omni, omnipresence of God, but he left heaven, came down and said, all right, let's talk. He stood at the entrance to the tent, and this is what God will do for you. And that's why you need to stop doing it yourself. Because every time you do it yourself, you prevent this from happening in your favor. And summoned Aaron and Miriam. When the two of them stepped forward, he said, listen to my words. Get ready, Michelle. He says, when there is a prophet among you, I, the Lord, reveal myself to them in visions. He says, I speak to them in what, everybody? He says, but this is not true of my servant Moses. Now watch this. He says, he's faithful in all my house. And he says, I talk to the prophets in dreams and visions. He said, but with Moses, I talk to him face to face. You better watch how you play with him. Woo! Hey, let me throw this out here. I don't have time to get it today. If you want God to come to your aid and fight your stuff for you like he did Moses, then you need to stay in his face. See, one of the reasons why many of you can't get God to come to your aid like you want him to is because you're not in his face. And when you're not in his face or in his presence, when you don't wait on God, when you don't know how to worship God, when you don't know how to pray in the spirit, when you don't know how to get into his presence, then you start acting a fool and God will not come to your defense. He said, look, 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 don't even, don't even get it twisted here. There's been some great prophets, but with this brother right here, he said, our stuff is so tight that I talk to him face to face, and he lives. He said, and I speak clearly and not in riddles. He sees the form of the Lord. He says, when they were, he says, when, he says, when why then were you not afraid to speak against my servant Moses? Now, I know a lot of preachers like to use this text for respecting leadership, and it should be. But I want to tell you right now, you better learn how to respect a lot. Some of y'all are messing with God's people, and God going to get you. You know why? Because they're in his face. And when you're in his face, God says, I'll come down personally and take care of it. You don't have to take care of it. He said, why are you not afraid to speak against my servant Moses? I'm I'm almost done. Don't worry, y'all. He says, the anger of the Lord... And the anger of the Lord burned against them. Woo! And he left them. When the cloud lifted from above the tent, Miriam's skin was leprous. Now, how many know that was mercy? Because they should have fallen dead. As white as snow. Aaron, and now this is the same Miriam that danced before the Lord. You know, when she, she ain't dancing now. It's like some of us, we know how to do the church thing. We showing off, we do all this stuff. You know, we got our, we in the Sabbath school uh, classes and we, you know, we at prayer meeting, we got the testimony, but we didn't learned how to be meek. And Aaron, to, turn, and now I'm talking about why, why, what happened to Aaron? Aaron turned, the Lord was just merciful. He can do what he wants to. I ain't questioning him because he ain't coming down here dealing with me. Aaron turned toward her and saw that she had a defiling skin disease. And he said to Moses, Please, my Lord. <laughs> Five minutes ago, they were like, who does Moses think he is? 
But now, then that's what God will do with your enemies. Your enemies will come back to you. What does the text say? The text says, he says, he says, he says, ah, uh, he said, please, my Lord, I ask you not to hold against us the sin we have so foolishly committed. He says, do not let her be like a stillborn infant coming from its mother's womb with its flesh half eaten away. So this is the only thing Moses said. And this is the point I want you to get today. This ought to be your reflex when you are offended and insulted. And all throughout Moses's life, one of the things and I don't have time to do it today. One of the things you'll see about Moses, but when you have a chance to do a study on it, the Bible says.